Welcome to Stacy on the Ride here on Family Vision Media. Don't forget to visit our website, familyvisionmedia.org, and find us all over on social media. So I have a big discussion today for us about firearms, the Second Amendment, and what is a good Samaritan? And to help me have that discussion is William Wolf, former Deputy Assistant Secretary of Defense. He's a writer at the Standing for Freedom Center. The website is standingforfreedom.com, standingforfreedom.com. Thank you so much for joining me today, William. Stacy, thank you so much for having me on your show. And thank you for all the good work that you do, bringing attention and uh, wonderful perspectives to critical topics facing our nation. Well, thank you for that. I'm I'm just glad to be able to talk to you about this because we've had a spate of uh, mass shootings. Now, right out of the gate, a good statistic to set the table about a discussion about the Second Amendment, uh, the defense of self and others, or even mass shootings in America is to say that out of all the shootings that occur in America, only 1% of them are mass shootings. Now, obviously, mass shootings cause national news stories because you have a group of people, innocent, often going about their day, and then an individual comes in and kills them, and they're innocent. There, there isn't any previous relationship, or if there was, it's not worthy of an execution. And so that's why these stories make national prominence. But since they're only 1%, of the total number of shootings that occur, criminal criminal shootings that occur on, a, on an annual basis, the other 99% we basically ignore. Right. And that is, uh, that's a really good point you make there because it's that other 99% that make up the vast majority of fatalities from gun violence in our nation. Most of those, of course, in quite frankly, Democrat run uh, urban centers. Uh, that have strict gun laws, and uh, quite frankly, the population there is often sitting ducks for other incidents of gun violence that contribute to the vast majority of other casualties. So let's just, before we launch off into the Highland Park shooting, there was a piece of legislation that I think, I guess they're trying to get out of the House, maybe they did. They want to have amber alerts for mass shootings. Meanwhile, Realtor.com and some of the other online websites where you can look for a home when you're, you know, in this, especially in the great migration that is continuing post pandemic, with over 48 million Americans having moved their re- their state of residence, um, trying to find safer locales. One of the things that people do is when they go on Realtor.com or another website looking for a home, they click on the crime data tab after they look at schools, um, they look at crime data and they see whether or not the home they're considering is in an area that has high crime. So in response to that, the woke leadership at these huge websites has decided to remove that tab. So if you want to find out about the crime statistics in a particular neighborhood that you're considering buying a home in, you have to now go through the rigorous process of going to a number of different uh, you know, public websites, maybe police statistics or, or crime statistics from the FBI to figure out what is the, the situation for the neighborhood you're considering becoming a part of. This dovetails in with this story in that Americans would love to know if there are tons of uh, crime in an area that they want to move to, but Democrats are removing that ability through their woke cultural narrative while simultaneously saying we need an amber alert for every time there's a mass shooting, which only is, it it comprises 1% of all shootings. Well, I think that just uh, highlights their misplaced priorities um, on on all of these issues, on, on anything pertaining to the Second Amendment on anything pertaining to uh, American individuals exercising their Second Amendment rights to live free and, you know, unfearful as they arm themselves and prepare for the worst if they encounter it. 
But that's right, it, and it shows how woke ideology has real victims. I think sometimes uh, if, if you're living your life, say, in a generally untroubled part of the country and you hear you know, clips about wokeism on college campuses, you think, well, this doesn't affect me. Well, if you move, it might affect you now. Yeah, it will not only affect you if you move, but the thing that we used to have, we I used to be able to say, <laughs> William, I would say, oh, they're doing that in the schools where I live in, you know, I live in Missouri. We have a super majority in our state legislature and no school district in Missouri would ever dare dot, dot, dot. Well, now right. we've come to find out that even in rural areas that are Republican strongholds, they still have the pornographic books on the shelves. It's as if because all of the schools are public schools that, you know, are participating, that every school just gets their allotment. You have 500 students, you get 20 of these porno books and they get them and they put them on the shelf without even thinking, without questioning. And so the items that used to just be a East Coast, West Coast or left coast, woke coast type of a situation now permeate the entire country. No one can sit back and comfortably say crime isn't an issue for me or you know, wokeness isn't an issue for me or the Democrats attack on the Second Amendment isn't an issue for me anymore. Can they? No, that's right. I don't I don't think they can. It's uh, it's like a virus and it's infecting everything it touches and spreading, you know, like you say, from the coast inward to the heartland. And it's it's coming and it's already there. And so for parents, obviously, we've seen quite the backlash against, you know, these horrific uh, pornographic books or other uh, terrible policies pertaining to transgenderism, et cetera, that have exposed particularly young female students to um, to abuse, like in the Loudoun County uh, instance. So we've seen Moms for Liberty uh, push back and other places like yourself pushing back. And, um, you know, we don't like to use the word woke, but Americans do need to wake up to how wokeness is going to come for them and for their kids at every turn. Uh, and at least for the foreseeable future, it's a time where we need to exercise constant vigilance and to inform ourselves and to be prepared to push back. So let's move into this discussion about these these mass shootings. Let's start with the July 4th shooting. Um, turns out, I mean, it seems like we don't even have to wait anymore. My, my whole, I told you so, you know, kind of mom attitude just rears its head up as soon as I hear there's a mass shooting. I'm like, oh, well, how long before we find out this person had numerous interactions with the police, you know, is on psychotropic drugs. And obviously, you knew at some point this guy was going to be a mass shooter. And it seems that was the situation with the Highland Park shooting over the July 4th weekend. This guy was known to the police and clearly some other things could have been done. Yes, that's right. I mean, there's been uh, quite a persistent theme, a persistent uh, fact of most of the recent mass shootings, at least, and that's that the FBI and or local police had concerns about the individuals. And I think many people are asking, why didn't they take action? Why was this allowed? Again, the issue here in our country isn't the legal purchase of firearms and the constitutional exercise of our Second Amendment rights is that in some ways our law enforcement, particularly as it pertains to stepping in for potential threats, uh, seems to be falling down on the job. Yeah. And so the big deal with that is that the, the falling down on the job, that is the theme of the Uvalde shooting at Robb exactly. Elementary, where, where hundreds of people, hundreds of law enforcement responded and checked their phones and sanitized their hands and kind of stood around chilling while the murdering was going on, while the children were being killed, and while some of them who'd been shot 
who were survivors could have been saved had they received medical attention. Do you think we'll actually see heads roll on that one? I mean, substantial, like people lose their jobs. Well, it's hard to see. It's hard to see if that's going to be the case or not. I'm not sure how much authority, you know, from higher up the food chain and you know, sort of the Texas, um, uh, the Texas political structure from Governor Abbott or anyone else can can kind of put pressure on them in Uvalde. But it doesn't look right now that accountability is coming. And quite frankly, I can't think of an instance here in recent history where we've seen good accountability. Uh, for the FBI or law enforcement failures. Um, I've mentioned this before in in other conversations. You know, I I approach everything from a Christian worldview as a Christian myself, and I've said that uh, one of the key policy issues that Christians need to get um, spun up on is the need for serious reform at the FBI, and this intersects with the issues um, we've seen with mass shooters. Now, can that be done, William, if you have a new presidential administration coming in, a Republican, um, that that person comes in, they then embark on reforming the FBI. Can that actually happen? Because we saw the FBI, parts of the FBI and the whole administrative state basically rear up and fight President Trump during his entire tenure, one term of them fighting him. And they were actually really effective in doing that. Well, they were. And I, I witnessed it firsthand, right? So I spent... Uh over three years at the State Department where I was a director there. And then I finished my tenure over at the Pentagon as a deputy assistant secretary. And um, at every turn, I saw the career bureaucrats fighting the Trump agenda, sometimes more subtly than other times. But nonetheless, the gr- the gears of our government are sort of grinding in opposition to uh, openness and to conservative policies. Uh, you know, the vast majority of the people who populate the Washington, D.C. metro area are Democrats. That's just a a proven fact um, via voting registration. So can it be done? Well, I would say I am cautiously optimistic that after having seen what happened to President Trump, that if another Republican does get into the presidential office, they will uh, fight much harder and be more aware of some of the ways that they need to particularly bring the national security um, apparatus, the FBI, the CIA, the NSA, et cetera, um, back in line to be a, agencies that serve the interest and the welfare of the American people and not the career uh, bureaucrat class in Washington, D.C. So that is, to me, it's going to be one of the most important things, because if the FBI can be reformed, then other agencies can be reformed as well. But if the FBI can't be reformed, that means, you know, you're not going to get reforms done elsewhere. Um, And we saw how the EPA fought back when President Trump sought to move EPA employees out into the areas where they actually are creating policy to live in the communities where the people that they're actually most impacted by their decisions live. They quit. They transferred agencies. They did everything they could to stay in the belly of the beast in the suburban Washington, D.C. area. Um, which might have been an unintended benefit, but it, it definitely proves to the point that these these bureaucracies are very strong and it's it's almost inexplicable how much power they have. So let, let's I want to make sure that we covered fully this issue with the Second Amendment and the sure, defense sure. of others. And so we, we did have because I, I, I'm telling you, we probably could do a five part p- podcast just based on your experience at the FBI and everybody would learn and probably, you know, listen. DOD, and, and, DOD. I was not at the FBI. 
you were at oh Department of Defense. I'm sorry, but yes. your experience yes. in government yes. is clearly one such that we would be able to kind of plumb the depths and learn so much. But on the Second Amendment, because the the Democrats definitely do have a desire to make a significant impact on the Second Amendment before they lose power in November, and these mass shootings seem to. And I don't mean to make an unfortunate mischaracterization or to slander anyone, but they seem to be real opportunities for them to infringe on the rights of Americans to access the Second Amendment. The mass shooting is the tool that enables them to do that. So with this last shooting, you have a man emerging from a restroom in the, uh, I guess, Highland Park Mall, and he comes out, immediately kills a man then shoots a couple and he's about to go on a shooting spree where he could possibly kill everyone in the, in the air vicinity. And a good guy with a gun sees him begins to point people behind him to get to escape and then shoots him and kills him preventing and, you know, dozens of people from being shot. It's an amazing story. It does happen more frequently than the news covers it, but it's an example of what gun ownership is meant to do in this country. And yet, Democrats are actually trying to use it to their advantage again. Yeah, that's right. It, it, and you make a very good point there that um, there are heroes, unsung heroes, uh, exercising their Second Amendment rights all across the country who regularly put an end to situations that would have um, resulted in much greater casualties and violence if they had not been present. Good guys with guns truly do stop bad guys with guns. Because it doesn't matter how how quick or how good your police response is. Obviously, sometimes it's terrible. But even when you have the best police response, it takes time. But if there's somebody on the scene with a gun, as there was in this case at the Greenwood Park Mall shooting, uh, he's able to respond right away. And this individual uh, is was only 22 years old, and I, I just think that's that's wonderful. And I think it speaks to how hopefully. Um, we will be raising a future generation to appreciate, believe in, and exercise their Second Amendment rights, particularly when they see examples of somebody like Elisha Dickin, who is responsible for saving countless lives here just this last weekend. Honestly, just, I mean, the most seamless, heroic, and it seemed natural for him. He didn't hesitate. He moved into action immediately upon seeing what was going on. And to me, quite providential that he was there in that he had his firearm with him and that he was not the kind of person to whip his phone out and film the carnage. Instead, he immediately moved to wrap it up and end what could have been a nightmarish scenario. So looking at the way the Democrats are seeing what he's done, you know, viewing him, and then looking at the rest of the country, I feel like they're on the wrong track the same way that the Democrats are wrong on abortion. They think that it's a major issue that will help them in the midterms. It's not. They're ignoring inflation. They're ignoring the cost of, of you know, the chicken thighs. I've been mentioning those frequently because they used to be so cheap and now they're not. Um, the, the cost that not just to fill your tank, but heating our homes over the winter was ridiculous, you know, natural gas. And then we are looking at the summertime cooling your home. The electricity rates are up. There's no place for Americans to find any solace economically. And instead of talking about that and working to fix it, Democrats are fixated on abortion and gun control. What do you make of their kind of wrong track attitude towards addressing the issues that Americans really care about? Yeah, I saw somebody uh, put it like this recently, and I won't get it exactly right, so bear with me. But somebody remarked on how it's just fa- it's fascinating to watch the Republican Party 
become uh, a multi-ethnic party and coalition focused on the concerns of the working class, particularly as you've seen uh, quite an uptick in support for the Republicans from Hispanic voters as well. And obviously Trump outperformed with uh, African-American voters in comparison to Mitt Romney. Uh, And the Democrats instead becoming fixated on these niche issues that only essentially um, white college-educated extreme progressives in on our coastal cities care about and uh and i think i think that's right and a lot of those people you know that fit that demographic of what the democrats are caring about are very divorced from the realities on the ground for the working class citizens across america the cost of chicken thighs the price of gas at the pump right i mean if you're living in manhattan and can afford a six thousand dollar a month apartment and aren't you know you're not driving to work then this doesn't matter to you so I think that that's why, because the, the Democrats have this perverted understanding of justice, and they, they look at things like you know um, mass shootings, and they think, well, hey, that we need to, we need justice here, and justice means getting rid of guns. Well, that's not right. They have a, a mistaken understanding of what they call you know reproductive freedom. They think they want women to have reproductive freedom, so they think that we need abortions, i.e., killing unborn children. Well, that's not right. So they fixate on these things that appeal to this very niche and, I'd say, shrinking segment of our population while ignoring the concerns that really impact, you know, the vast majority of Americans on the ground. So um, it's not good, but in some senses, I would say, well, keep after it, Democrats, because we've got a tidal wave building, a red wave that's going to crash here in November, and I think it's going to set the stage for um, taking control of all the levers of government, House, Senate, and the presidency in 2024. Oh, from your lips to God's ears, I, I, I pray so. We, we really need to be able to articulate a message and a vision for what improves the lives of Americans, because that is what the growing number of black Americans who are, you know, looking at the Republican Party with fresh eyes and saying, you know what, you know, this racism thing has really blinded me to the fact that these are the people who want to lower my taxes, lower the price of the goods and services that I need to use every day. And they want me to be able to defend myself if I find myself in a high crime situation. They want me to feel comfortable and to be armed if I want to. These are new ideas that have we've been talking about them for years. Like you and I are not new to this. But for the first time, now people are willing to listen. And it's the pain that comes from having Democrats in charge that's enabled this. So it's a a silver lining for sure. Um, Is there anything else that you you feel like we need to think about as we're, you know, kind of podcast audience and people who are thinking about, you know, the Second Amendment and how to talk about it. Is there anything else you would leave with us that that we could kind of articulate around this issue? Because people are so emotional, like some emotional people we won't be able to get to, but there are regular people who are willing to listen to us if we talk about this in a way that that resonates with them, a way that they can understand. Um, and, and especially about defense of yourself and others, because there is so much more crime now than there was before the pandemic. Well, that's true. That's right. Coming out of the pandemic, obviously, um, our nation is not in good shape. And what could you expect after you uh, you locked people inside for months, you printed trillions of dollars, uh, you made people fear for their lives when, quite frankly, they didn't need to be fearing for their lives to the extent of the hysteria foisted upon them from outlets like CNN. And so people's uh, mental state is more fragile. Uh, there was less law enforcement in general throughout the pandemic. Crime is 
on the rise everywhere. And, you know, I would I personally would uh, attribute a lot of this to, um, you know, efforts from groups like Black Lives Matter, which have demonized police. Right. So we're, we're in a tricky moment where we need to say that, of course, there are policemen and law enforcement officers who fail. We saw a horrific example of that in Uvalde. But by and large, you know, we we absolutely need good policemen and good law enforcement officers. And if we demonize the entire profession, then we're not going to get the good ones. Um, so that's that's an issue I, I would point to. But in terms of the Second Amendment, I would say that, first of all, it's encouraging to see that uh, quite a, a lot of the new gun owners are women. And I think that speaks to the the basic nature of the Second Amendment, which is it's an equalizer. If you are carrying a firearm, it doesn't matter if you're trained and you know how to use it. It doesn't matter if the person who's threatening you is 150 pounds heavier than you and six inches taller than you. You're equipped to defend yourself. And I think that that speaks to sort of what I would call sort of a natural law understanding of the Second Amendment that's there for the sake of protecting your life and your property. So I think more women across America are realizing that, and that's a good thing. But then if I could reach out to anybody else who is more on the fence about it, I I would just again underscore that the Second Amendment is the foundational cornerstone of the rest of our um, rights that we enjoy in the Bill of Rights and the Declaration of Independence. Our First Amendment freedoms of speech, of uh, freedom of worship, of assembly, if you those will not last if we get rid of the Second Amendment, because once you unarm the population, the government can do whatever it wants to do. So the Second Amendment is not the First Amendment, but if you pull out the Second Amendment, all of the First Amendment and the rest of our rights will fall. It truly is the foundation of our freedoms here in America, and I hope more people can realize that despite the hysterics and the reporting on it from the mainstream media and the Democrats. Ah, so well said. So thank you so much for um, taking the time out today to talk to us. It's very important subject matter. And thank you for your work previously in the Trump administration. But I look forward to seeing you back in D.C. again, cleaning up that federal bureaucracy. We need you there. We need you back there. Um, this time, I, th- I can I just go ahead and call out what I like? Because I, I am. That is how I am. Um, sure. I would prefer to see you running an agency yourself. None of this deputy no, stuff. Definitely. We need some people who understand how this works to be in charge so that the house can be cleaned, um, set up for, for proper operations. Someone who understands things like you've read the Bible before, you understand our Judeo-Christian founding. We need someone like you, younger, smarter, better, in leadership there at the top. Let's Let's make that happen. Well, thank you, Stacey. I, I really do appreciate that. And thank you for your work. And thank you for your service to our country. You're an Air Force vet, correct? <laughs> it's true. <laughs> well, we appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah. And, and actually, if I could, if you don't mind me, just um, for, for folks who do, uh, if you listen to this and you like what I have to say, obviously, you know, Stacey uh, well, but you can also find me on Twitter at William underscore E underscore Wolf on Twitter. And that's where I share a lot of my writing as well. And so we'll put that uh, link for that Twitter handle in there. You can follow through and follow him. I, I think it's a great idea. I particularly love seeing what former Trump administration officials are doing now. And I kind of then I, I kind of tailor my my things along that. I'm like, I'm following along because I need to see Mr. Wolf back in, in D.C. swinging his hammer to set things right within the bureaucracy. We need you back there. Thank you so much for your work, uh, especially with 
Standing for Freedom. It's standingforfreedom.com, standingforfreedom.com. William Wolf, former Deputy Assistant Secretary of Defense, writer, Standing for Freedom Center. Thank you for your time today, sir. Thank you for having me, Stacey. All right, and we'll be back with more wonderful guests on the Stacey on the Right podcast here at Family Vision Media soon. God bless you. <laughs>